Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. See, uh, <clears throat> typically when we use the word good, we don't mean perfect. Uh, But certainly when we talk about the Lord, he is perfect in all our way, all his ways and uh, loves us perfectly. So, I, you know, I just thought we could start off just by praying and thanking God for that, that he is good and he is perfect. Let's, let's pray that. Um, dear Father, you are good. And uh, like Chris said, you don't need reminders that you're good but I do. And uh, you don't need reminders that you're perfect, but I need that reminder. Um, Certainly when you're not doing what I think you should do, I need reminders that you're good and that you're perfect. Um, And that you have a love for me that's that's so unexplainable, I can barely grasp it or think about it. Um, I pray today that you would, you, you let me, be able to understand it more. Um, we love you in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I, I, I love when I, when I give a gift that turns out to be perfect, um, when I've nailed it. Uh, and in order for that to happen, usually the person who's getting the gift can't know it's coming or, or they can't know the specific gift is coming. Like maybe they know I'm getting them a gift, but they don't know the specific gift is coming. Um, and so when it happens or when they open it, there's a little bit of that wow factor. Like, oh my goodness, or I didn't know this existed or wow. you know. Um, and it, it, it kind of happens like when I'm, when I'm whatever at a store in September and I see, I like, oh, that thing would be perfect for, uh, you know, whoever. Um, and I get it for them. Um, and I, I, they may not, they may not even have known it exists or they didn't even know that they wanted it. Um, but I, I love, I love when I nail it like that. It's so, it's so, it's so fun, it's such a fun thing. And, and I, just the perfect gift, you know, I, that got you moment. And I love that feeling. Um, and then like later on, like five years from now, when they're, when they're talking with their friends about, you know, what was the most meaningful gift or the best gift that you got? I want them to talk about me and the gift that they gave, that I gave them. Um, they say that one gift Daryl gave me in 2021. I mean, he nailed it. That's exactly what I wanted. Um, next week I'll, I'll share with you a, a gift that, that uh, my family gave to me. That's, that's along those lines. Um, super great, super great gift. Um, so Chris uh, brought up, you know, um, we we're talking about forgiveness in the series and forgiveness is a little bit like that. Um, it, it's, it's giving and receiving a gift that sometimes you don't even know that you want or need or it's important to you. Um, for many of us, it's not really on our radar or something or something we'd write on a list where we say, oh, forgiveness is what I want um, or forgiveness is what I'd like to give. But um, the, this season, we're going to be talking about it and um, uh, I, I will. I will say. I'm going to ask you to do some things that that are have the potential to be such a blessing to you if you're willing to do them. Um, and uh, when you receive a gift like this, when you receive a gift like like 
what I'm going to talk about. It's the kind of gift that even if you, if you, if you thought you didn't want it, or you thought it wasn't on your radar, or you thought it wasn't very important, or you didn't think about it very much, it's going to turn out to be exactly what you wanted and exactly what you needed. Um, so I, I thought we could start by defining forgiveness. It's hard to define. Um, it's, it's one of those words that, you know, when you like define love or define something like that. So um, I, I thought that forgiveness is releasing anger, right? Um, forgiveness um, is, you know, you're going to stop being bitter or stop being raging about that thing. Um, uh, forgiveness is a tool to allow us to give up suffering. Um, you are going through so much because you can't, you can't forgive. Um, forgiveness is self um, emancipation. It's a way of releasing yourself from pain suffered at the hands of somebody else, right? Um, forgiveness is something that you do for yourself. Uh, often, you know, it, it's, it's done for your own good. And maybe, so maybe, you know, if we, we take these, you know, and mash them all up together, that could be a forgiveness definition. Would that define forgiveness? Think about that for a second. So, uh, I've shared with you guys many times, I often come back to this story. Um, in, in the beginning of all things, um, God created everything. Um, and the Bible describes uh, God made the world in six days and that God saw that all he had made, all, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and morning and it was the sixth day. Um, and so at the end of most of the days, if you read the creation story, if you're, at the end of most of the days, God ends the day by saying, that's good. Um, and then at the end of the sixth day, he says, very good. Um, so, like I said, when we, when we say good, we, it's something subjective. Typically, what might be good to me is not good to you. Um, and, but you can bet, you can bet, you can bet on it. When God says something is good, it's a, it's, it's a different category of good. Um, it's, a whole, it's a whole different thing. Um, the, when, when God's in the Garden of Eden and, he's Eden and he's describing things as very good, that was, there was something that was happening that was indisputable, undeniable, unquestionable goodness. Um, goodness, and goodness is one of the characteristics of God. So, you know, this is why we sing songs like this, like, you know, you're a good, good father. And when we say that, we're not saying the same thing as all the, all the other times we use the word good. We learn how to be good. We learn what is good because of God. And God's good is not subjective. It's not, it's not, oh, that's good to you, but it's not good to me. It's not subjective. It simply is. And when, when God says something is good, it's true in a kind of way that's final and ultimate. So when, when God sees things, when, you know, what's happening in, in Eden at the beginning of the world, and he says it's very good, we can be sure that we're talking about a goodness that's filled with power, that's something different than what we typically talk about. Um, and we could, we could do a whole series, or we could, you could spend time just dwelling on, what does God mean when he says good. Or when we say God is good, what do we mean by that? For time's sake, we can't do that right now, but that, just putting that in your brain to think about, we're talking about something different. So I'd make the case that, that, that a huge part of what God's talking about or what the very good he's talking about is the closeness and the contact that God's having with, with people there and the ease of the closeness. Like often closeness to God and, all, and closeness to people um, is it, it, not, it's not easy. It's very, very hard, right? Uh, so you, you've seen this, right? Uh, so even the people you want to be close to, it, it can be really hard. 
Um, it's, it's hard to be vulnerable. It feels awkward. It's hard to be honest. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, I, or you, you, you just, you, you'd rather be busy working rather than working on being close. Uh, there's, you, you misunderstand each other. Um, you misjudge each other. Uh, and it's, I, it's often that way for me. It's not, it's often that way for me. You hurt each other. It just makes closeness so very hard and so easy to avoid. It wasn't always that way. Closeness wasn't always so difficult to achieve. In getting ready for this message, I was reading um, some thoughts from my friend Elton I've talked to you guys about where he's writing, he's writing, he's referring to C.S. Lewis. And both of them basically say the same thing is that what God saw when he looked down and he's seeing, and oh, this is very, very good, was the natural part of it, at least, was the natural ability of God's closeness with them and God and their closeness with each other, that they had this natural ability to be close. And it wasn't a struggle, and it wasn't all the things that we bring to the table when we have relational. And God looked down and saw that, and he says, that's very good. That's very good. This Bible character named David, and he describes a little bit of the closeness um, that God experienced with Adam and Eve when he says this. He says, Lord, who rules over all, how lovely is the dwelling place where you live. I can't wait to be in the courtyards of the Lord's temple. I really want to be there. My whole being cries out for the living God. And David's describing this longing for the goodness of closeness with God. That, 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 and again, he, David would probably say, this goodness is different than the other kind of goodness I'm talking. I, I, I might normally say, you know, say things about this goodness that he's describing in Genesis 1 is, is probably like a shadow of the kind of goodness David's describing. You know, David's experiencing like a, a shadow of the kind of goodness that Adam and Eve experienced in, 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 in the Garden of Eden. And, and, um, in Genesis 1. So despite the goodness that Adam and Eve were experiencing, the devil suggested to them that there's something better. So God says, shows up and says, this is very, very good. And then the devil says, oh, but there's something better than the very, very good that you're experiencing. So my friend Elton put it like this. He says, he says, this, he says, when humans were faced with the alternative of using their will to step outside of God's order for the first time, they considered the possibility of bettering themselves, of discovering something beyond the natural order that God had given them. So God had made it easy for them to be close to each other and close to him. And they said, we can figure out something better than this. He goes, he goes on to say, they were seductively invited to use the power of choice to bring about a new order that made themselves God. They thus gave up their natural ability to govern the flesh without a struggle, and they gave up their natural ability to be close and threw themselves into a world where they were captives to all the needs and desires of their physical bodies and ultimately to de decay and death. So, so God gave Adam and Eve the, the ability to, to choose. And when, when the opportunity came up to choose something that was beyond what God designed for them, uh, they picked it. 
And that led to this kind of releasing or birthing of needs and desires contrary to God and his goodness. So closeness with God didn't come naturally anymore. And closeness with each other didn't come naturally anymore. And what came, what came naturally is a desire to defend or a desire to blame or a desire to put things on you or a desire to, to define our own good, a desire to be our own God, a desire for, for, for selfishness, to cherish things that feed our ego um, and, and, to, and to cherish those over closeness. And that's a sin. I find it so interesting. And again, you guys can imagine it's because of my job. This happens all the time. People will come to me and they will talk to me about closeness in our church. And they'll be frustrated that our church isn't close, as close as they would like it to be. But as we talk about it, part of the reason why it's not as close as they would, they would like it to be is because of me and them and our draw towards selfishness. That, that even though they're articulating the problem, they're a part of the problem. Because closeness doesn't come easy for us anymore. And Adam and Eve, it's a sin that leads to them being put out of the garden for the first time, their separateness between God and his people. And so you, you see that natural draw towards sin and separateness all throughout the Bible, all throughout our own lives, right? So one example is in the Bible is when the nation of Israel is rescued from slavery um, in Egypt by the Lord. And the Lord does all these miracles. He does all these great things to save them. He parts the sea. Um, he, he provides food for them out of nothing. Um, it just provides for their needs all over the place. And once God gets them out to the desert, as soon, as soon, as soon as they have an opportunity, they create, they create a God out of gold. And they say, again, this, this part would be infuriating. After they create the God, and if you can, if you, you can read this in Exodus, after they create the God, they say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. It would be like this. It would be like this. If you guys, if, if, if you gave up a, a bunch of your life to send your spouse to school, to, to, to become a doctor, you, sp you spent that four years scraping and working and doing it together. And then at the end of, at the end, of, and she graduates, she says, gets up there at a commencement season. Thank you. I'd like to thank my new husband that I'm going to be marrying soon for helping me get through college. You'd be like, that would be, what? <laughs> that would be gross. That would be ridiculous. This, this, this thing that they do when God leads them all through the desert and gets them there and he says, and then they create this and they say, hey, um, <clears throat> this is who brought us out of Egypt. That is what they're drawn to now. That's what comes easy to them. Not the closeness that was intended. They've seen God do all these incredible miracles. And when the leader of Israel at that time, he shows up and he sees what they've done. He says this to God, he says this. These people have committed a terrible sin. They've made a God out of gold for themselves. Now, Please forgive their sin. And God says, oh yeah, oh yeah, no big deal. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Those of you guys who never, uh, 
you don't read the Bible, or maybe um, you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that's not how it went, especially not in the Old Testament. God says, no, I will not forgive them. It doesn't work that way. And he's saying, I can't just look over sin like you guys do. I can't just say, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Which is obviously what, often what we say about sin. Um, what's the big deal? Or, or, or why can't we just turn a blind eye and start over? Or why, why do we have to make such a big deal out of this? And obviously we do this with ourselves or our friends or our acquaintances or our family. And we present it like, you know, we're being loving to them, accepting. But if we're, if we're really honest, you know, at least part of the reason why we do it is because we're selfish. Um, you know, we don't want to deal with it or we don't want to think about it or we don't have to face it or we don't have to talk to them about it or we don't have to deal with it. It just, it'd be, let's put that over. Um, and, and we think that way because we don't understand what God means when he says, good. When he says, very good. We don't understand the quality of his goodness. God's goodness stops him from being able to just say, oh, not a big deal. Stops him from looking at our sin and our relationships and saying, that's good enough. So when Adam and Eve and Israel or you or I, we sin, God can't simply look at it and just forgive it and it has to be addressed. So when their disobedience broke the bond that, that God called very good. It became impossible for God and his holiness and goodness to walk with them in their sin. So in the case of the Israelites, after they worship the golden idol and God, said, God actually says this to Moses, he says, leave this place. You and the people that I brought up out of Egypt must leave it, but I will not go with you. You are stubborn. I might destroy you on the way. This is why you don't like the Old Testament, right? Which sounds just mean, right? Like when I read this, I'm like, God's so mean. He's, oh, he's such a mean guy. So these guys just led us in how good, good, the, woo, the father is good, good, good. And he's perfect in all his ways. But when we read this, we're like, I don't, I don't like him. That's not good. So if you start with this, if, you, if we're going to begin with this, if we believe this is true, if you believe that God's a good, good father, when you read this, you've got to read it differently. You've got to say, so what does this mean? What is he trying to do? What it, what it seems like anger or just plain meanness might just be God's protection. It might be his protection from a kind of holiness and goodness that we can barely understand. So when he says, you know, I'm a good, good father, so good that I'm going to have to protect you from the kind of goodness that you can't keep up with. A kind of goodness that can't weaken sin and, and go in, go into the relationship like nothing ever happened. And honestly, and honestly, in real life, in real life, in real life, you understand this. You get this. You get this. There are people in your life that you might want to be close to, but you can't because of their character or because of their behavior, because of their relational maturity, because of their selfishness, their selfishness limits how close you can be. And in order for you to, to deal with them or to get along with them or whatever, you have to do like what Chris said, you have to, well, we can't talk about that. We can't deal with that. Or we're just going to avoid that. And you are doing, you are doing what God did in the Old Testament. You are saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't go with you down that path. I'm going to protect you. Let's not do it. 
So you and me, we understand, even though we want to be all mad at God when he does something, we understand because we do the same thing. We do the same thing. And before we get too self-righteous about us protecting people from our, from our own goodness, that's how we're all, we all are with God. Our sin and our selfishness has to be limited. You know, our sin and selfishness has limited our ability to be close to him. But right from the beginning, God had a plan, right? God had a plan to overcome our sin and our disobedience, to, be, to overcome our tendency to be, to distance ourselves from him. He had a plan to overcome it. He had a plan to beat it. He had a plan to win. So even though it was impossible for God, he, he said, I'm going to come up with a way to get past the thing between us. So he, he, it says this, it says this in the word. It says, I am writing this to you, my children, so that you will not sin. And, you know, so when we're reading that, you're like, well, that might work for 30 minutes, but what am I going to do then? But if anyone does sin, that's for the rest of us, right? Okay, okay, good. I'm, I'm leaning in. If anyone does sin, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the, the good one. And Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven. Not only our, not only, not only, not our sins only, but also the sins of everyone. So Jesus Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven. And God has this incredibly expensive gift to give to us. Um, and the, this is the only way that he could give it. And only he could give it. So he let part of himself full of the goodness, full of the goodness that we've already established, that these guys have already saying about, that we're on the same page about, full of that goodness, come here, here, Amongst the, the grossness, amongst the sin. It was the perfect sacrifice. Paying the penalty of death so that forgiveness could be extended to Adam, to Eve, to Israel, to all of us without violating God's holiness and goodness. He let himself and all of his goodness come here. So... I, just a quick analogy, just a quick thought about this. So I don't, I don't know, recently my wife and I, we went to the Rena a Renaissance Festival and we were there. It, was, it had rained the, the day before and it was going to rain later that day and it was so muddy there. It just So the whole time I was there, I just felt gross. Just like I'm walking through all this mud and... Just, and what it reminded me of is stories that my daughter has told me about when she's, you know, has done research on what it was like back in the day where everything stunk. There weren't the kind of sanitary things that we have now, clearly. It was just gross. Everything was gross. Everywhere you went, everybody stunk. And so since everyone stunk, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal. It reminded me of that, though. It made me think about that. And... You don't want to bring anything good to the Renaissance Festival. Anything you want to keep from keeping getting muddy or dirty or gross. You don't want. Because we're so far removed from life like that, we start to we forget how, how different this place is from that place. How good it is and what a sacrifice it would be to come here. He does that because he wants to overcome the thing 
between us. And he wants to bring it back to the beginning. And now the gift of forgiveness can be offered freely because of Christ. So let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning of when we started to look at our definition of forgiveness. Let's Gifts of forgiveness offered offer freely because of Christ. So here, here we go. Forgiveness is releasing anger. Forgiveness is a tool to, to allow us to give up suffering. Forgiveness is self-emancipation. It's a way of, of releasing, uh, releasing yourself from the pain suffered at the hands of another person. And forgiveness is something you, do, you can do for yourself. I mean, it's, done, it's done for your own good. Now, do you think... This is what God means when he says forgiveness. Do you think this is a complete picture of what Jesus came here to do? In 1 John 2, it says, Christ is the means by which our sins are forgiven. Is this what he's talking about? Is this what he's saying? Christ is the means by which our sins are forgiven. Do you think that that God will look at this and say, now that's very good. I mean, this is the beginning. I mean, he he might say, okay, that's, that's good, but I don't think he would say it's very good. I think that he would say, this is going to get us started towards what I really, really want to get to. And what is that? When God has to tell the Israelites, listen, I can't go with you guys. When we read that, we think meanness. But when he's saying it, it's breaking his heart. I can't go with you. Because that's what he's longing for. That is what he's longing for. When we forgive somebody, typically what we mean is something like this. Right? We mean we're letting go of anger. We mean that uh, we're, we're putting it in our past. And every time you think of, think of him, it brings up some terrible things in you. And you want to be content again. You want to be okay again. You, and obviously in real life, you're content to never see him again. But you want, you, don't, you want to have to not feel that way so much. So most of us, you know, we nurse that bitter thing, that bitter knot in our stomach. Um, and anytime, you know, any one of those, that person is mentioned, you know, you could bring the worst out of us, right? You could, you could get us to talk about that person. Um, it, we're we're kind of, we're on the edge of our seat ready to burst saying all the things that he, she did to us. And the best of us, the best of us, the best of us will, will, will turn to a friend or a counselor or a pastor and we'll try to forgive. We'll try not to think about it so much. We'll try not to dwell on it so much. We'll try not to do the fake conversations that we have in our head. We'll try to do all the things. And when we do that, we feel like, okay, I'm good. I've done some good things. I've done, I'm, I'm getting some things off my chest or I'm releasing, I'm letting go. I'm getting, getting rid of the bad feelings. I'm finding healing in myself and for myself and that's fine. But is that what God means when he says forgiveness? In John First John 2, when he says, Christ is a means for your forgiveness, is that what he's talking about? Let me read this up to you. Forgiveness 
was not good enough for God, at least the forgiveness that, the kind of forgiveness that we, we typically think about or talk about. It's not enough for God to forgive you. He wants to reconcile with you. You are the win for him. He wants reconciliation with you. He wants to look at your relationship with him and he say, that's very good. That's very good. That's what I wanted. And and, and that's what this is all about. He wants to recover a very good thing that you had from the beginning. And, And this time is between you and him. Forgiveness was just a means to an end. The end is reconciliation with you. And it's just certainly, that's what, this, this, is why, this is why he said, I'm up here with the kind of goodness that can't be qualified by you. And I'm going to come down into your mess. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus coming down and making, that, the, the, making possible the very good of Eden available again. For, and for God, the goal of forgiveness is reconstruction of the relationship. A, a very good relationship. The full of the kind of indisputable, undeniable, unquestionable goodness of God. That thing. And he's working so that the closeness that came natural to Adam and Eve is going to come natural to you and I one day. We're working towards that now. And you can see, you can see how God would look at that and say, that's very good. That's very good. So let's begin this week. Let me begin with this. So we're going to take communion together. And um, the gift that I wanted to offer you this morning is the very good closeness with the Lord. And it begins, it begins with forgiveness and then leads to reconciliation. And some of you have not accepted the forgiveness. You're not even on the forgiveness conversation yet. You're not even the first. You have not accepted his forgiveness by trusting your life to him and being baptized into his family. And so today's the day for that, guys. I, I, I I, and again, I, I understand that has to be your decision, and I understand that you have to um, you have to come to that conclusion. I'm just saying to you, it is serious. Um, it is important. It is the very good giveness uh, is a very goodness of of a kind of relationship that you may not know you want, but when you have it, you'll be like, I didn't. I was that wasn't on my Christmas list. That wasn't something that I wanted, but. Daryl, you were right. Some of you guys have stopped at forgiveness, though. You, you, maybe you're in the club, right? You stopped at forgiveness, so you think that that's enough. And you think, or you think that, that, that his intent was the kind of forgiveness that we talk about right here. And that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not what, he, that's not what he's intending. He's intending closeness with you. That's what he's intending. And forgiveness is just a vehicle to make you get, get there. So if you've stopped at forgiveness... It was never the goal. You were. You were. And then those of you who know the forgiveness of Christ and you know the the reconciliation that he's offered, you know the closeness. Do you ever consider offering the gift of forgiveness and reconciliation to anyone? And to, to, to people who honestly in this culture 
don't know they want it. It ain't on their list. And in fact, they might, if you tried to offer it to them, they might reject it. Do you ever consider offering God the gift of the forgiveness and reconciliation of Christ to anyone? Is that what you pray for? God, would you please show me um, who would be receptive to the gifts of your forgiveness and reconciliation? It's a good gift. It's a very good gift. It's a very good gift. I wonder if you would be willing to pray towards that. If you're, if you're in, you got the forgiveness, you got the reconciliation, would you pray? Would you pray that? God, would you please show me who would be receptive to the gift of your forgiveness and reconciliation? Would you please show me that? If you believe that he's a good, good father, then he would show you, right? He would show you. Let's pray together and then uh, maybe you can consider committing to one of those, one of those three things. Again, if you're not in on the forgiveness, if you haven't been a part of his family yet, come on. If you just, if you stop the forgiveness and you don't want to move, and you haven't moved to reconciliation, come on. And if you've got both of those and for every reason in the world, you need to offer that. You need to offer that to people in your life. Even if they don't know they want it. Let's pray together. Uh, dear Father, um, your goodness is beyond what we can ask or imagine or describe to someone else. It, it is the standard for what is good. We don't even know how to be good to ourselves apart from you. And so I pray, I pray this morning that um, you would reveal that to us. For, for there's some, some, some who are listening and who are here today who need to, who need to know, man, I want to be in on the forgiveness that Christ offers right from the start. There are people who have just stopped at forgiveness. They thought that the kind of forgiveness that we give to each other is the kind of forgiveness that, that you give to us. And they are wrong, wrong, wrong. That you want closeness. That when you say forgiveness, you mean making things right between you and us again. And when we say right, we don't mean like, oh, we can just sit in the same room together and not argue. We mean closeness, oneness. I pray for that. I pray for, I pray for that for this church family, for those people who are not experienced closeness, closeness with you, that they would have that opportunity. And then finally, I pray for those of us who experience the forgiveness that you've offered and the, and the closeness that you've offered, that we would offer that gift to others. And help us put it on our heart to be praying Father, is there anybody in my life who would be receptive to that closeness and that forgiveness you're offering? That will be the very best gift that they've ever received. I pray that this season we'd be about that. We'd be about that gift, giving that gift. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.